The Texas Football Today podcast is brought to you by Chocolate Milk and Built by Nature. Catch Texas Football Today live weekdays at noon on TexasFootball.com and Facebook. And get involved with the show using hashtag TFToday. Yes, yes, y'all. From the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas. It's Texas Football Today, the Halloween Spooktacular. My name is Greg Tupper. I'm the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, TexasFootball.com, my corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Whether you're watching us live at TexasFootball.com or on Facebook, or listening to us on the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. Either, either way, thank you for doing your part to support your local mediocre internet show. I'm sitting here, sitting over there in the jump seat today, making us sound good, is Ashley Pickle. Hello, Ashley. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you. Welcome back to you. Now I live here. Mm, yeah, that's that could be yeah. fair. That's kind of true. I'm seeing my right, the arsenal to my Sheffield United, our West African Prince, Ishmael Johnson. Today, right? Yeah. Today. Today, too. That's interesting. President go for a QPR that's, one. That's interesting. Uh, I'm just kidding. The QPR 3 to my whole city, too! <laughs> Ishmael Johnson! Yes! Come on! It's happening! It's happening! <sighs> this is getting really weird, man. They're, what, fifth? Fifth place. Oh, my God. They, I think they're two points off the off the top. Oh, my God. That is... Okay, it's and getting, the thing is, here's the thing about QPR, okay? Yeah. I don't think they can stop anybody. Mm-hmm. But they could score like a lot. <laughs> they yeah, might. they have a goal differential of zero. Yes, yes. <laughs> they've allowed twenty one and they've scored twenty one. Yes, that's amazing. Yes, they that's are. A, they're literally okay. That's literally the lowest goal differential until Cardiff. Cardiff at eleventh with also also zero. Correct. <laughs> I'm telling you that is awesome because like they had one like one of the one of their losses they lost like five one or something. Yeah. They just got drilled. So anyway, at least they're fun. Uh, Tuesday, I play Reading on okay. ESPN Plus. Cool. So we will have something to do in the office. Today <laughs> is Monday, October 21st, 2019. 38 days till Thanksgiving, episode 841, 841. Vladimir Guerrero's OPS in his Leicester's Texas Rangers career. 2010, American League champion. And had the big double off of Phil Hughes in game six of the ALCS. He was awesome. And a Hall of Famer. <coughs> On today's show, guys, we're going an hour. We're doing it live. F it. We'll do it live. We got Monday morning fallout. We got our exclusive rankings reveal of the two th- of the week nine Texas high school ball state rankings from Dave Campbell's Texas football, the official rankings of Texas high school football. Uh, then, 12.30, we'll be talking with the head coach of the Cedar Park Vista Ridge Rangers. Coach Rodney Vincent will join us. Does anybody know how Cedar Park Vista Ridge won? No. I don't think they threw a Hail Mary on the oh, final play and won. Uh, to uh, to move to, I think, 6-1 and one on the year. Mm-hmm. So we will talk with Coach Vincent coming up here at about 12.30, halfway through the show. Then we'll have the Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week nominees and the DCTF Teams of the Week. And finally, we'll finish it all out with a nice campus crawl. <coughs> do you have first four through the door? I do. Okay. You remembered. Good I job. Did. Um, you didn't have to interrupt me. No, I was just going to see if you remembered, and then all the comments always come in, where's first four through the door? So, yeah, I was going to... Anyway, Nicholas Morton, Matthew McSpadden, Daniel Agnew, and Patrick Abraham. Welcome in, guys. And while you're here... Me? Ashley. I am here. I will be here throughout the entirety of the show. Hit the air at sign. Time for Monday Morning Fallout. Oh, man. There it is. <laughs> Monday Morning Fallout, of course. When we overreact to the football weekend, as soon as we get the graphics to go. And what a weekend it was to overreact to. We'll start with my three big thoughts. Thought number one, somebody's O must go. Sometimes it's hard to find like a consistent narrative about Texas high school football coming into uh, coming into the each week, coming out of each week. But this week, I feel like there was like a nice, easy handle for you to just grab. And if you just paid attention to that, Everything else kind of took care of itself, and that would give you a pretty decent overview of everything. To me, the story of Week 8 were the six matchups of undefeated teams across the state of Texas. Uh, and so they were obviously games that we, uh, we spotlighted, games that we were particularly interested in uh, all week long. 
Uh, and for the most part, I would say they lived up to the hype. Um, for one, like we'll go to Springtown Decatur. Decatur pulls off uh, a late victory over Springtown, and I think that the ramifications of that are pretty clear. I think that they become no worse than co-favorite out of Region Region One in Four A Division One. That that's how big that win was. Now, I also think, based on that game, there's a fair chance that that's the first of two meetings between these two teams. Uh, Frisco Lone Star pulls out an, a squeaker over the Colony. They got pushed, and they took a big punch. And the Colony, I think, is for real. I think they established that. Uh, but this was, I think, a reestablishment of Frisco Lone Star as the team to beat in 5A Division One. A team that will certainly have something to say about it is Alvin Shadow Creek, who throttled Friendswood uh, in the way that they have done to pretty much everybody. And to me, we're going to reveal our 5A rankings coming up here in just a little bit. I, here's a spoiler alert in 5A Division One. In some order, it is Shadow Creek and Lone Star. And to me, that gap has never been more narrow. Uh, I think that they are pretty clearly the two teams to beat in 5A Division One. Also in 5A, uh, A&M Consolidated went out there and took care of business against Katie Pato. And, and I know that we kind of came into this game thinking, okay, is Katie Pato for real? But I think that what we can't overlook the fact that A&M Consolidated played back-to-back undefeated teams and took care of business against both of them. Very impressed from the Tigers. Did You you picked all six of those uh, Battle of Unbeaten. Do you know what your record was on that? Yes, I went 5-1. and one. Oh, not bad. Which one did you not choose? The one that I missed was I picked uh, Springtown over Decatur. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Which was... Well, I don't believe in an issue's boys. Yeah. yeah. It's going to yeah. be close. Very late. Wall beat Jim Ned 14-7. to And I, I am now at the point with Wall that if you want to make them your number one team in 3A Division One, I, I can hear it. I can hear it. Uh, Grandview's been impressive. Um, but if you want to put Wall at number one, I wouldn't argue with it. That's a super impressive win on the road at Tuscola to slow down a high-powered Gymnet offense uh, and come out with a win. And finally, there was probably the most impressive of them, which is Shiner's big win over Weimer. And I mentioned it before in the picks, and I mentioned it again, I think, on the show, that somehow Shiner has flown under the radar. Somehow. Despite the fact that I think they're number two in the 2A Division One rankings. They have flown under the radar. They are crushing people. Mm-hmm. They are running the ball exceptionally well with Donnie Taylor. Their defense has been lights out. The Shiner's for real. And if you want to, uh, that's another thing. If you want to put Shiner at number one in 2A Division One, hmm. I mean, look, we, we, pro- we pretty much agree that they're going to get their chance against sure. Refurio. Right. So we'll find one out. The, one of Refurio, Mason, and Shiner will pl- they're going to play each other. It's Region Four, right? yes. And so they're going to they're most likely right now. It looks like Refurio is going to mm-hmm. get the shot against Shiner. So we'll see. But yeah, I mean, if you want to say right now, sure. I but think <laughs> I think it is. So those are really the the. I think there's a nice, easy handle on what you can take away from Week Eight, mm-hmm. uh, which is just those six matchups and undefeated, and each of those six winners, and even a couple of the the teams that fell short. I think uh, have established themselves as powers. Thought number two, uh, hashtag actually good and hashtag actually bad. Uh, in college football, I think that there were two teams that established themselves that we had questions about. We are like, okay, they're looking good. Are they for real? I think they established themselves as hashtag actually good. Mm-hmm. One of them is SMU. Um, Temple came to town, and they... They took the, they took the fight to Temple. Mm-hmm. Like, they just went out there, and they threw the first punch, and they said, not today. And Shane Bouchel was great. Uh, Reggie Roberson was great. Uh, SMU proved uh, that, that they are for real. Uh, if y'all want to start showing up to games, that'd be cool. <laughs> Call them out, boy. I'm serious. <laughs> That's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. You have a top 20 team, right? Are they top 20 at this point? Yeah, they're yes. 16. Okay. You have a top 20 team that's undefeated, and that stadium's half full? Come on. Uh, the other one's Baylor. Baylor goes on the road uh, to Oklahoma State, and it wasn't always pretty, at least for the first three quarters, but fourth quarter, they owned it, mm-hmm. and they pulled away late. And that's kind of been a, a trend for this team, is that they have owned the final frame, and that's that's an encouraging trend for them. Now, I'm sure Matt Rule would and his and his doctor would appreciate it if they would uh, take care of business earlier in the in the game but the bottom line is that right now those teams are rolling and they i think that 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 there's no more qualifying it that they are just actually good teams plain and simple 
big tests still to come, but for now. Especially for Baylor. And then there's hashtag actually bad. And it's, it's, it's just time to stop qualifying it that there are at least three very bad teams in the, in the state. Mm-hmm. Rice, <clears throat> it's time to quit qualifying it. That's a, that's a game at UTSA against another bad team mm-hmm. that you should win. Yep. Right? Rice is just bad. UTSA, I'm, I'm not convinced they're, in, they're any better. Mm-mm. But UTSA is bad. And then there's UTEP. Those are the three teams that are hashtag actually bad. The one that's on the fence for me is Texas State. Yeah, I mean, if you want to throw them in that group, I wouldn't. I, wouldn't I think they're... It. I think they're... <laughs> it's just done. I, I mean, don't I, look I, at them. I think they're a half step above that, that right, group. Right, a half step. Right. A half step. Oh, yeah. Like, it, it kind of stinks that this is the one year that UTSA and Texas State skipped the series. Right. So, like, we could actually see that play out on the field to see, like, are they better than right. that group? So... Yeah. Um, anyway, that's thought number two. Thought number three is crunch time. It is now week nine of the Texas high school football season. Week nine. So where there are teams, there are teams that only have two games remaining mm-hmm. uh, in the regular season. Um, and it is now time where I believe steps playoff projections are coming up on TexasFootball.com for insiders coming up here shortly, either today or tomorrow. I don't know. I need to get with Will and figure out what's going on. But they're going to be up on the site. Like, the bracket's starting to take shape. And if there's a time that you... You know, I think I always tell this to people. is like, our our audience for Texas Football Today on, like, a regular basis, uh, I love you guys. I love you nerds. Because you're nerds, okay? You guys are locked into high school football year-round. And I love you for it. That's, <laughs> that's why we're friends, okay? This is also the time where if you've got a buddy who generally, like, likes to clock in on high school football, like, when it matters... Mm-hmm. Now's the time to clock in. Oh, yeah. This is the time to, to check in. because Playoff, playoff scenarios start working through mm-hmm. district championships, district playoff spots, all that stuff start coming up. It gets to, fun right now. Coming to it, gets, it gets to the point where every game every game matters and not in the, like, like old ball coach way. Right, yeah. <laughs> every game matters in the immediate way, not right. in the, like, oh, well, this means this and yeah. this means that. So no, no we, just, could, we could miss the playoffs if we lose tomorrow. Yes. Like this that, means, that type of stuff. This means that, this, that, this means that that's happening. Yeah. So it's, it's crunch time now. Those are my three big thoughts. A helmet stickers. Three helmet stickers. A helmet sticker for Sherilyn Pioneer quarterback Eddie Lee Marburger, who went 29 of 38 for 318 yards and six touchdowns passing, and also, excuse me, also ran for 123 yards and two scores. A helmet sticker for Texas A&M linebacker Buddy Johnson. He was excellent in their mm-hmm. game against Ole Miss. They trot. That was a matchup of who wanted it less yeah. between A&M <laughs> and, 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 and Ole Miss. It was just. It was hard to watch at times, but Buddy Johnson came through huge. And it's not just obviously there's the the scoop and score touch a uh, fumble recovery uh, for him, mm-hmm. uh, and that's going to get a lot of headlines. But he was everywhere. I think he had ten tackles and a tackle for loss. He was all over the place. Buddy Johnson gets a helmet sticker. Uh, he's a big reason why they won. I mean, really and truly, without him, like they could be, they could be looking at three and four and having some big time questions. But yeah, they get the win in large part because of Buddy Johnson. And a helmet sticker for Alamo Heights quarterback Kobe Love, who went forty-four of seventy-three for five hundred seven yards and seven touchdowns. Seventy-three attempts. That's a lot. I need to check the record books. That's going to be up there. Anyway, that is. Uh, those are uh, three helmet stickers. Three teams to watch. Uh, El Campo. Um, a team that I think went three and seven last year, just took down Sealy twenty eight nothing, and now establishing themselves as them and Needville as the teams to beat in that district. Uh, unbelievable job for the Rice Birds down there. Uh, Tarleton State. Mm-hmm. That was a game that that we yeah. we had circled all year long. Tarleton and Commerce, and Tarleton goes out there and 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 takes care of business. A- an impressive impressive win for the Texans. They are. I mean, right now, if you're talking about the best, the best small college football teams in the state of Texas, it's Tarleton and, and Mary Harden Baylor, and there's not really much of a debate that you know, you whatever order you want to put those guys in. I don't necessarily. I think probably Mary Harden Baylor gets a nod, right? But in any case, that is um, that that was very impressive. And Pflugerville Weiss, man, how about them? The uh, the second year varsity program is now in the catbird seat to win the district. Big game against Eastview this week. Huge game against Georgetown Eastview. Uh, but those are three teams to watch, and then three to see. Heading forward into this next week, uh, how about two teams that played for titles last year? Galena Park North Shore and Beaumont Westbrook is going to be all sorts of fun. That'll be great. Um, 
It's in, it's in Galena Park, or no, it's in Beaumont. It's in Beaumont. Westbrook, or I'm sorry, North Shore appears to be back at full strength, mm-hmm. but this is going to be an, a knockdown drag out. It's going to be a lot of fun. SMU in Houston, Thursday night affair. Mm-hmm. Um, well, SMU, we just spent a decent part of this segment telling you how much how good you are and how wonderful you are and how you deserve to have a, a stadium full of people screaming for you. Now you got to go on the road and play a Houston team that you are better than and take care of business on a Thursday night on national TV. Because it could all come crumbling apart. This is this feels more like... It's weird. It feels more like a trap game than it is like a, like a big showdown. Mm-hmm. But this is a huge game, and, and Houston can certainly... I think they can save their season if they can ruin someone else's. So this is a really interesting matchup on Thursday night. And Argyle and Melissa... 4A Division One matchup. Melissa got a huge win over Salina this past weekend. Brendan Lewis was special in this game. Now they get Argyle, and you want to talk about a fun matchup of quarterbacks. Bo Hogaboom and Brendan Lewis duking it out. That'll be a fun 4A matchup. Those are three to see. That is Monday morning fallout. We are Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF, like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. Please check out TexasFootball.com slash Insider. That is our subscription package. Two magazines, a year's worth of exclusive online content at TexasFootball.com, including, coming this week, our playoff projections on TexasFootball.com. For insiders only. Textfootball.com slash insider. Makes a great gift as well. Textfootball.com. Alrighty, folks. It's time to reveal the week nine Dave Campbell's Texas football rankings. State rankings. Uh, Dave Campbell's Texas Football has published the state's most respected high school football rankings for decades and is the official partner, rankings par- provider of the Associated Press starting in 2019. Weekly rankings are revealed on Texas Football Today every Monday at 1215. It's actually 1217, but whatever. <laughs> uh, and complete rankings can be found at texasfootball.com slash rankings. A note, texasfootball.com slash ins- Texas football insiders can see them early, starting a couple of hours early on texasfootball.com. Let's start with our 6A rankings. And in 6A... I hope you've got a taste for chalk. Um, <laughs> we have, of the 24, tw- 25 teams in, the, in our top 25, 24 remained exactly the same. 1 through 24, exactly the same. Uh, but we have a new number 25. Euless Trinity moves into the top 25 uh, with their impressive win over Weatherford this past week. But other than that, Everything was the, the top 10 remains the same. Duncanville, Katy, Allen, Longview, North Shore, South Lake Carroll, uh, Converse Judson, Beaumont, Westbrook, Cypher, and DeSoto round out the top, the top 10. To 5A we go, where there's a little bit of movement. In 5A Division I, uh, simply put, we flipped number 6 Cedar Park and number 10 Hutto. Yep. Uh, Cedar Park went and, and got a very impressive late victory over Hutto, handing the Hippos their first loss of the year. Uh, I think that they reestablished themselves as a team, as a as a contender in uh, 5A Division One. But I also think Hutto still deserves to be ranked. And yeah, I think that, sure. that we had some mm-hmm. conversation about that. Do we bump them out of the rankings? I think that they dropped from six to ten with that loss, mm-hmm. a four-point loss. Uh, I think that over this. By the way, that was at uh, that was at Cedar Park. Yep. Um, that to me is, is the best way to do it. Everything else remains exactly the same. Frisco Lone Star stays atop at number one with their 41-38 win over the Colony. Or, but remember, as I mentioned in Monday Morning Fallout, Alvin Shadow Creek at number two, and that gap has narrowed. That gap has very, very narrowed. Don't forget about Denton Ryan either at number three who got a big win over Carrollton Creekview. To 5A Division two we go. There's a little bit more movement, but it's all at the bottom. One through nine remains exactly the same. Alito, Alito Manville, Cal Allen, Anim Consolidated, their big win over Katie Pato. Four Penn Marshall, Lubbock Cooper, Huntsville. They're, they've got an impressive, and I think under the radar, win over Lamar Consolidated. Uh, Red Oak stays the same at number eight, and Port Lavac Calhoun stays the same at number nine. Uh, out of the rankings is number 10, Frisco, who lost in rather surprising fashion to Denison. Into the rankings, Kerrville Tyvee, the Antlers, move in at number 10 uh, with their 62 to nothing thrashing of San Antonio Memorial. To 4A we go, 4A Division One. And there's a little bit of movement down at the bottom where Springtown, with their loss to Decatur, Decatur, uh, Decatur stays the same at number four with their 38-31 win 
over Springtown. But uh, but uh, but Springtown drops from number seven to number nine uh, with the loss. Lampasas and Idle Needville are the benefactors of that. They move up. Uh, Melissa stays the same at number ten after the 29-17 uh, win over Salina. Top three remain exactly the same as well. Argyle, Carthage, and Waco La Vega, all winners in district matchups. Uh, Argyle got into a weird shootout with Paris. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that game got that game was odd in a lot of ways, but they pulled out the win. They were made number one in 4A Division One. To 4A Division Two we go, where there is a new number one atop the Dave Campbell's Texas football rankings. It is the Pleasant Grove Hawks, who started the year at number one, slipped to number two with their loss to Carthage. They're back up to number one on the strength of a 37-24 victory over Gilmer. Gilmer, who stays who stays the same at number six with their loss to Pleasant Grove. Still believers in the Buckeyes. Just think that's a really impressive win for Pleasant Grove. That puts them back atop the rankings ahead of Waco Connolly, who got a win over a very tough Mejia squad. The rest of the top ten remains the same. Midland, or West Orange Stark at three. Midland Greenwood at four. Lubbock Estacado at five. Gilmer at six. Sunnyville at seven. Geronimo Navarro at eight. Big game against Wimberley this week. Iowa Park at nine. And Jasper at number ten. To three in Division One we go, where there was a little bit of chaos, and let's have some fun. Uh, Wall edges Malakoff for the number two spot uh, as they beat Jim Ned fourteen to seven. Malakoff beat Dallas A Plus Academy seventy two to nothing and dropped the spot. That's uh, that that tells you how impressed we were with Wall's victory over Jim Ned. Bushland stays the same at four. Die Ball up a spot to number five. Pottsboro up a spot to number six. The uh, Eastland. Uh, Eastland up three spots from number 10 to number 7, setting up a big matchup with number 2 Wall this week. And new to the rankings, number 8, the Troy Trojans, who take down Rockdale 62-44. to Rockdale tumbles from number 5 to number 10 as a result, but the Troy Trojans suddenly looking like the team to beat in that very, very difficult district. To 3A Division 2 we go, where... A little bit of changes, specifically in the middle, as Rogers, on the strength of a 46-14 win over Hamilton, edge Gunner for the number four spot. Gunner down to number five. Everything else remains the same. Canadian, East Bernard, and Newton are your top three in 3A Division Two. To 2A Division One we go, where? Chalk. Entirely chalky. In fact... These teams went 9-0 and and did so in impressive fashion. Uh, Refurio, Shiner, San Saba, San Augustine, Idle, Holly, New Deal, Holland, Alto, Post, and Mason. All winners this week, usually in big in big ways. The, the real impressive one, as we mentioned, was Shiner. Their 52-7 win over Weimer. I think that they have closed the gap considerably with Refurio. We still have Refurio number one, but that gap is narrowing. To 2A Division 2 we go where... Chalk! <laughs> Once oh, again! Oh, finally. 10 and 0 go the top 10, and as a result, not a whole lot of changes. In fact, none of them. Uh, Fall City, Albany, Mart, Stratford, Grapeland, Wellington, Hamlin, Flatonia, Wheeler, and Rawls. Uh, round up the top 10. Rawls, big game against Tohoka this week. Keep an eye on that one. To 1A we go. The six-man rankings courtesy of our six-man insider, Lehman Saunders, where it's all chalky. Mostly because a lot of teams were idle. In fact, five of the top ten were idle. Balmeray, McLean, White, Deer, Milford, and Lakey all took the week off. But everyone else won. Borden County got a 53-0 mercy rule win over Sands. They remain the same at number ten, two. To 1A Division 2 we go, where it's also chalky. Again, we're getting into district play, and as a result, these teams are going to start uh, are going to start looking like they, they're not moving a whole ton. Jayton gets a big win over Roby to remain number one. Grand Falls Royalty and Richland Spring round out the top three. Blackwell and Calvert round out the top five. Idle Strawn, Idle Gordon, and Idle Motley County remain the same at 6, 7, and 8, respectively. Groom and Blanket uh, round out the top ten. To the private school ranks we go, where the top five remains unchanged in 11-man. McKinney Christian fell victim to number one Cedar Hill Trinity. Fort Worth Nolan took the week off. Fort, uh, Houston second Baptist is number three after their big shutout win over Houston Westbury Christian. Same goes for Austin Regents, who shut out Austin Hyde Park Baptist. And Dallas Parish Episcopal got a 54-14 win over Dallas Bishop Lynch. Speaking of private 11-man games... Did you guys, uh, if you didn't, if you missed it, Plano John Paul II uh, beat uh, Dallas Bishop Dunn, who, by the way, is the defending state champs. Uh, they beat them uh, in 11 overtimes. 11 overtimes. <laughs> that is nuts. That is a game that happened. Neither of those teams are ranked, but need to be mentioned. 
And finally, to the six-man rankings we go, where it remains unchanged. Baytown Christian uh, was idle this week. They remain number one. Dallas Lake Hill Prep, Houston Emory Weiner, Watauga Harvest Christian, and Bulverity Bracken Christian round out your top five. So those are your Week 9 Dave Campbell's Texas Football, Texas High School Football State Rankings. You can see them now at texasfootball.com slash rankings. Um, overall, it was a relatively chalky week, but there was a little bit of movement as a result of some impressive wins. As we mentioned, Rogers edges Gunner uh, for the number 4 spot in 3A Division 2. Uh, Wall edges Malakoff for the number 2 spot in, in 3A Division 1. Uh, a few other small moves uh, here and there, uh, but the big the big thing that, to me, you know, Pleasant Grove edging Connolly to, to move back up to number 1. But overall, you're starting to see, as we get into district play, and a lot of these teams are, quite frankly, playing teams that they're a lot better than mm-hmm. in their district play because they're not playing state-ranked teams. They're playing uh, you know, the third and fourth and fifth-place teams in their own district. You're starting to see some more blowouts. That's, that's typical for this time of year. And you're starting to see a little bit steadier uh, hand in the rankings. And as a result, you can see all the rankings at texasfootball.com slash rankings. Dave Campbell's Texas Football, the official rankings provider of the Associated Press. We are Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com. Talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram. Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. I want to invite you to check out TexasFootball.com to become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. That's our subscription package. Two magazines, a year's worth of exclusive online content at TexasFootball.com, all for a low, low price. Makes a great gift as well. It's TexasFootball.com to become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. Go ahead and do that right now. Well, not right now. Wait a lot for the show. Actually, open up a new tab and do it. TexasFootball.com slash Insider. Ashley... Let's go to the hotline, and let's bring in the head coach of the. Let me make sure I get this right. Hold on. The record right? Can yeah, I want to make the record right. He, I, I'm sure he's going to yell it at me. <laughs> but the head coach of the six and two Cedar Park Vista Ridge Rangers, we're joined by Coach Roddy Vincent. Coach, how are you? I'm good. Has your heart slowed down? I, t- I tell you what, it took a long time after the other night for it to slow down, that's for sure. Uh, for those who missed it, Cedar Park Vista Ridge uh, scores a, a remarkable fifth, a 49-42 victory uh, at Round Rock Cedar Ridge uh, on a last play uh, Hail Mary as Kyle Brown heaves for the end zone and Jacob Bowerman hauls it in a 40-yard score on the final play. Um, but the... the I guess what I'm asking, Coach, is is what was what was the play call? Did you guys you know what was the what was the mentality going into that final play? Well, we were what we were actually trying to do is get down into field goal range, um, and we we only had two timeouts when we started that final drive, and w- wish I'd had one more. You, you always wish you had one more, mm-hmm. but um, did not get close enough um, that we felt like we were in range, and so. You know, we had to go to our alley oop play. Is is pretty much what what we call it. It's a it's a version of a hail mary, and um, we have executed it before in a game earlier in the season. And um, you know, we were thinking, let's take a shot. If not, we're going to overtime. And um, I was really proud of our guys for for executing the play. Well, and and you you bring up that this is not the first time you guys have done this. This is your second hail mary that you've scored on. Uh, you did it at the end of the half earlier this year um i mean is this just uh, i mean obviously there's a little bit of luck involved in this but at the same time this feels like this feels like you can't get lucky twice this feels like this has to be something that you guys have paid a lot of attention to and and made sure you guys have have put the work in on well whether whether it's victory defense you know where you're trying to defend this type of play or whether you're trying to execute this play on offense it's something that we work on starting back in training camp um, not something we work on every day, but we devote the time to it usually once, twice a week maybe. Um, but, it, it, you know, every Wednesday for sure it's something that um, we're working on. And then we get a little bit of it on our Play the Game script on Thursday. Uh, not a lot on that day. But, um, yeah, I was joking with one of my coaches the other day. He said, Coach, can you believe how lucky we are on that? And I said, hey, this is the third time in my career in that exact stadium that we – have completed one of those at Dragon Stadium, and I said, a third time, it's no longer luck. So I was giving him a hard time, too, about it. So Have you considered just making your entire playbook out of Hail Marys? 
We may open up the next game with it, right? <laughs> <laughs> We're talking to Rodney Vincent, the head coach of the Vista Ridge Rangers here on Texas Football Today. Get involved in the conversation, hashtag TF Today. Coach, this is, you know, we, we, we talk about this this win, but it's just the next remarkable step in what has been an unbelievable year for you guys, um, especially considering what happened last year. Last year, 1-9, certainly not up to your, your you guys' standard there at, at, at Vista Ridge, but now... Uh, off to a six and two start. What is to you? To you, what is the biggest difference uh, between last year and, and the struggles you guys had, and, and this year where things just seem to be going right? I, I truly believe with this group of kids, it started back in November after that season. You know, you know, as a coaching staff, obviously a lot of soul searching, um, hitting the restart button, whatever you want to call it, Greg. But we just we spent a lot of time. Um, you know, making sure that our kids were bought in. And, and, you know, the other side of that is the kids bought in immediately. And, and, and they have worked extremely hard from November all the way up through our, our off-season program. Um, they, they had a great summer in the weight room, um, great summer with seven-on-seven. Seven. Um, so, I mean, they it's truly um, just amazing the way our kids have, have bought in. And, 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 you know, now moving towards the season, the way – the way we go about things is truly the difference. It has nothing to do, um, you know, there's, you know, people make a lot of different play calls on Friday night, but, you know, the way your kids go about doing things throughout the week is, is a big deal. And I'm, I'm really proud of this group for the way they've gone about their work and, and everything that they're doing. One of the guys who I know has taken a big step for you is, is the guy who uh, who threw the threw the touchdown pass that won it for you guys. Uh, Kyle Brown, your, your junior quarterback. I know uh, the, the son of your offensive coordinator, Todd Brown. Um, this is the guy that I mean, let's be honest. He took his lumps last year. I mean, he, you know, he, he, you know, he, he learned on the job in a lot of ways last year. But he has been, it seems like, spectacular for you guys this year. Uh, how have you seen him grow over the course of, of really his career? Well, you know, when Kyle came in his freshman year, um, you know, we saw immediately that he was pretty accurate. Um, there was a lot of things from a developmental standpoint that he, he was continuing to work on. Um, you know, the biggest, to me, the biggest thing from last year to this year, though, is just his football IQ and understanding our offense. Um, and then, you know, the, the second thing that he has surprised a lot of us with is just his ability to extend plays. He has moved in and out of the pocket really well and and on and delivered on some scramble routes and then to me the third thing is just um you know he has from training camp until now um guys he has really done a lot better with all the 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 stuff i like to some of the intangible stuff the leadership stuff the next next play mentality, the, the the things, you know, body language. I mean, he's done really well with those, and I've been pleased with his progress on all those things. Uh, on on the defensive side, you know, last year, you know, obviously not a ton went right for you guys. The the defense really struggled, give up forty five points a game. This year, you guys defensively have made a big step forward. What do you think has been the difference on the defensive side that has you guys rolling right now? Um, I, I think it starts up front. With our box players, um, I'm, you know, I've been really pleased with our, our defensive line and the way that they have, have and they've set our front and, um, you know, made it to where our linebackers and our safeties can make plays. They they've done a great job of of we're just better at the line of scrimmage with those guys. So I, I always like to give those guys a lot of credit up front. Our linebacker play. You know, a lot of those guys um, got experience last year, and so um, that experience has helped. And then in the back end, um, you know, we returned three three guys that got a lot of work last year in, in those games. And um, our, our DBs this year, they have been they've been fantastic also. So I've, you know, from a defensive standpoint, I think just you know we're a little more experienced than we were a year ago, and and really have have uh, done well up front and, and our defensive staff just creating that environment of uh, the energy level and taking away footballs those types of things have been a big plus for us too defensively um, 
it's on to the next one, though, and, and no rest for the weary. You guys draw Pflugerville Hendrickson 7 o'clock Friday night. Um, and and uh, Hendrickson team that, in a lot of ways, is fighting for its season. It's got its back against the wall. Uh, needs a big win for you. I'm not going to ask you to give away your game plan uh, with what you're up against uh, in the Hawks on Friday night. But uh, when you take a look at, at what you guys are going to be uh, facing uh, this weekend uh, in, in Week 9, what, uh, what, what are you seeing on film? Well, you know, the biggest thing is they're they're so athletic on both sides of the football, um, and if you look at their their stretch that they just they just went on, I mean, they took Vandergriff to the wire, they took Stony Point down to the wire. I mean, um, they've got a good football team that um, has been close in some really you know would flip their entire district schedule a little bit, um, and so. Um, I think they're dangerous offensively because of the guys that they have operating in the backfield, and so we're going to have to be really good um, because, you know, they're about 50% run pass right now, so they, they stress you in a lot of areas um, from a defensive standpoint. From an offensive standpoint, they've probably got one of the best defensive lines we've seen all year, um, and those guys do a great job with pass rush. Um, been extremely hard for people just to run at will on them. I mean, they... It, it, they have a really good defensive line, and that, that's that's a big concern. We, you know, we have to make sure that we are sharp on all of our protections um, and that our technique is great on all of our protections. And so um, that's that's my biggest concerns going in. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a team that's a, a really good football team, better than what their record shows, that's for sure. Uh, and, and it's just the latest in what has become one of the, the deepest and most dangerous districts, I think, in, in all of Texas, and especially there in Central Texas, District 13-6A. Uh, it seems like there's there's never an off week. You know, I, that's easy for me to say sitting here. I'm interested in, in your perspective when you take a look at District 13 6A. Uh, it, I I can't imagine you you feel like this has been a, a cakewalk for you guys. Well, for us in our journey, um, you know, there was a there was a, a reporter asked me the other day about one of the big games we were heading into because this last stretch for us is all the playoff contenders from last year the guys that are ranked one through four in our district he was asking me about a big game and i told him our game against mcneil the first one was a big game for our program i mean we are each and every one of them is a playoff game for us you can't afford to not be at your best every single night that you play because you know one through nine they all they all are good quality teams that can that can beat you so for us every week on our journey is a is a is a is a playoff game, um, and it was it was really good for our program the other night to you know we were knocking on the door in that Stony Point game, and it was good for us to to face one of those big time opponents and be able to pull out a win. Um, so for us, you know we're we're humble and and we're hungry and we understand exactly how hard each and every one of these are. We have a long ways to go. We've got two games left, and we feel like we've got a long ways to go to, to get a playoff spot. we got four big quarters Friday night. Uh, but the four big quarters that came before them have gone very, very well for the Vista Ridge Rangers and their head coach, Rodney Vincent. Coach, really appreciate your time. Congratulations again on, on not only Friday night, but what has been a spectacular season so far. And uh, best of luck Friday night and the rest of the way. Hey, thanks for covering us today. Appreciate it. Absolutely. There he goes. Rodney Vincent, the head coach. The Vista Ridge Rangers down there in Cedar Park. Uh, you know, a couple of big wins for Cedar Park area teams there. Obviously, Cedar Park's big one over Hutto. But that is um, – and that's such a huge win as far as the way that the rest of that district shakes out. Mm-hmm. Because they're now 4-2 and two in district play. Mm-hmm. And uh, one more win and they're good. Yep. One, they, they need one more. Now, yeah. I'll tell you, this is the one they probably need to get. Oh, um, Hendrickson. Hendrickson. This week, yes. Because then they have a bye week and they finish at Round Rock. Mm-hmm. Round Rock's playing very well right now. If you if you want to make things easiest on you and you don't <laughs> want to go into that final week scoreboard watching and praying, yeah, you got to go get this one to, uh, this week. And what uh, is, I mean, this the step forward they took this year because I mean Vista Ridge is one of those programs that did not benefit from the move to six A. No, because they they were them and them and Vandegrift ran that district in five A, um, that North Austin Cedar Park Leander area, and. Vandergriff kind of got their feet under them a little bit sooner when they jumped up to 6A because mm-hmm. um, that's just a fast-growing area. But it took Vista Ridge a little bit, but now we're finally starting to see that program, their their sustainability in 5A kind of translate now into 6A. 100%. And, and, and that's the – they're the second smallest school in that district. Mm-hmm. It's them and Leander are right. the two smallest schools in that district. And w- what they've been able to do, the turnaround that they've had, mm-hmm. and, and I think you're right, last year – 
you know, one and nine, it, I think, is more of a reflection of just like, you know, yes, obviously the team just wasn't as good as it was la- this year. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty good. But also, you look at the score, they were getting hammered last year. Yes. Like, I mean, this, uh, they were losing by 30 points a game. They lost Cedar Ridge 62 to seven last year. Yeah. They lost to uh, Vandergriff thirty six to seven. That was a that was thirty one to twelve this year. Like it was just, right. just yeah. You look at, yeah. You around. look yeah. You look at the differences even in that right. Yeah. Even in the losing margins. Okay. Right. They lose to Vandergriff thirty one twelve. Vandergriff's hot take. Vandergriff's the best team in that district. Right. Right. That's a tough tough game, and they they were able to hang with them for long stretches. And and then they play Stony Point, who's they were on the shut right off as well. Stony Point last year. Yeah. Forty four nothing last year, and they lose forty four twenty nine. But again. That is, it's not just that they're winning more games. It's also that they are much more competitive in every single game, and they are looking good. One more win, they get into the playoffs, uh, and Coach Rodney Vincent has them humming, and just a remarkable victory. Uh, the, the second the second Hail Mary they've, they've accomplished this year, uh, but this one is a game winner. And by the way, there, uh, I had people asking me, they were like, why'd they kick the extra point? Because it, they, they score on the final oh, yeah. play, but they need it for a tiebreaker. Yeah, uh, because that's true. Point yeah, point tiebreaker. Yeah. So they had to clear the field and kick the extra point. Let's finish the game. Anyway, we appreciate Randy Vincent hopping on with us. We are Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football on the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF, like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Also on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's. And of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com is where you can find complete coverage, high school ball, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. There mm-hmm. you go. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Dave Campbell's Texas Football, along with Wells Fargo and in conjunction with the Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl, is proud to present the Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week Award to the most deserving high schooler in the state of Texas. Every Monday at noon, 1242, TexasFootball.com announces 10 <laughs> candidates for that week's awards uh, f- f- uh, based on the previous week's on-field performance. We then leave it up to you at TexasFootball.com. Uh, voting closes each Friday at noon, with the winner being announced shortly thereafter here on this very program. Another absolutely ridiculous group of candidates. We start. <clears throat> Wimberley quarterback Cooper McCollum went 16 for 20 for 344 yards and four touchdowns, and then he ran for 39 yards and two more scores. It's going to be one of those weeks, guys. <laughs> White House quarterback Caden Casey threw for 209 yards and four touchdowns passing, and he ran for 220 yards and two and a touchdown on the ground. Hillsborough running back Brandon Montoya ran for 305 yards and six touchdowns for Hillsborough. Abilene Cooper defensive back Dylan Davis had three interceptions. He returned one of those interceptions for a touchdown. He had eight tackles, two pass breakups, and he ran for 59 yards in a score. Look at the defensive guy. Nice. <laughs> Football's Gotta football. Got to show love. <laughs> Football's football, baby. Argyle wide receiver Cole Kirkpatrick had eight catches for 247 yards and three touchdowns in their wild win over Paris. Speaking of wide receivers, Rockwall wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba caught 10 passes for 176 yards and four touchdowns uh, for Rockwall in their big win. Troy running back Zach Urbachik ran for 227 yards and three scores for the Trojans in their big, big win over Rockdale. Tom Bob Memorial wide receiver Logan Kyle, 13 catches, 253 yards, and four touchdowns. Step was at this game. Mm-hmm. This game was crazy. And he's not the only candidate from that game. Finally, I'm sorry, Sudan quarterback Christian Montez went. Threw for 176 yards and a touchdown. He ran for 183 yards and six touchdowns. And he had two tackles. Got to tackle on those tackles. tackles. (laughs) Goodness. Finally. (laughs) Cy Lakes quarterback Sofian Masood threw for 521 yards and six touchdowns. And ran for 128 yards and four touchdowns. That's 10 total touchdowns. That game was 73-70. Was that the final? Something like that. Ridiculous. Um, those are your week eight Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week candidates. Uh, Wimberley quarterback Cooper McCollum. White House quarterback Caden Casey. Hillsborough running back Brandon Montoya. Abilene Cooper defensive back Dylan Davis. Argyle wide receiver Cole Kirkpatrick, Rockwall wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba, uh, Troy running back Zach Urbachik, uh, Tomba Memorial wide receiver Logan Kyle, Sudan quarterback Christian Montez Went, and Cy Lakes quarterback Sofian Masood. Vote early, vote often, vote now at TexasFootball.com. And I don't want to tell you what to do with your vote. Okay, I don't want to. But we did have a guy go for 10 touchdowns in an 11-man football game. Don't want to tell you what to do. I don't get to vote. That's so. I'm banned from voting. 
because I'm a felon. Mm-hmm. Dave Campbell's Texas football is proud to honor one team from each public school classification <laughs> with a Team of the Week award. <laughs> the schools selected throughout the course of the program have best exemplified the best in Texas high school football. Your Week 8 Dave Campbell's Texas football teams of the week. In 6A, just talk to their coach, Cedar Park Vista Ridge. Jacob Bowerman miraculously hauled in Kyle Brown's 40-yard Hail Mary heave on the final play of regulation as Vista Ridge stunned district rival Round Rock Cedar Ridge 49-42. In 5A, Seagaville, Daylove Harris's four-yard touchdown run in overtime, his fourth of the game, pushed the Dragons past rival Dallas Kimball 30-27 for their first win over the Knights since 2011. And by the way, before 2011, I don't think they had won in the century. So it's a big rivalry game, Seagaville and and Kimball. Big win for the Dragons. In 4A, Fort Worth Castleberry, in a wild shootout that featured four touchdowns in a two-minute span in the fourth quarter, the Lions came up big with big defensive plays late to eke past rival Lake Worth, 42-41. In 3A, Tornillo, the Coyotes snapped their 20-game losing streak with a determined defensive effort, topping Fabian's 13-7. Congratulations to the Coyotes. In 2A, Shiner, in a matchup of unbeaten squads, the Comanches prove they are the real deal, stifling a powerful Weimer rushing attack and exploding for 434 rushing yards of their own in an emphatic 52-7 victory. And in 1A, Miami, the Warriors earned a hard-fought 44-39 win over Follett, and it represents something much more than just beating the defending state runner-up. It's the first time the Warriors have beaten Follett since 1998, snapping an 18-game losing streak to the Panthers. So those are your week eight. Thank you. Dave Campbell's <laughs> Texas football team to the week. In 6A, Cedar Park, Vista Ridge. In 5A, Seagaville. In 4A, Fort Worth, Castleberry. In 3A, Tornillo. In 2A, Shiner. And in 1A, Miami. Congratulations to all the schools. We salute you. For more information, visit texasfootball.com. I've already done the read enough. You guys know texasfootball.com. Just go there. You're already there probably, right? Or just bookmark it. Do people bookmark anymore? Yeah, they bookmark. Yeah. I bookmark. I don't know. Maybe I'm not with the time. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm washed. I don't know. All right. <laughs> All right. It's time for our campus crawl where we go through the 12 FBS teams in the state of Texas and take a look at what they did this past weekend. Um, per usual, it's in a mystery order. So if you can guess the order, the, the reasoning behind the order... Uh, it is not last year. Last week it was literally alphabetical. Yeah, it is not and that. And no one got it. it not that, yeah. <laughs> literally. See, I've got people on their. Uh, I got people like, like off their game now. Yeah. That's, that's the most important thing. All right. We start with TCU. TCU uh, goes to Kansas State uh, and loses uh, twenty-four to seventeen uh, in a game that was rather ugly the entire game, um, and again. TCU, just from an offensive perspective, just could not find any sort of consistency. Um, now, Max Duggan running the ball was very good. Yeah, he had one. He had one, uh, I believe, long touchdown, long forty-six yard touchdown yeah, 46 run. Forty-six yards. There you go. Um, but aside from him running the ball, the offense was just not consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, they were, in fact, let me take away his. F- I'm going to do this quick math real quick. Two twenty-eight minus forty-six divided by thirty-nine. Uh, they averaged 4.6 yards per carry. If you take away his, um, if you take away his 46-yard touchdown, it's fine. Not terrible, mm. but if you have no passing game, yeah. it doesn't like that's yeah. not gonna, that's not going to do anything. The defense was okay, but that's just kind of what we've come to expect from the defense, which is uh, it's just okay. And and yeah. if you if your offense can't stay on the field, your defense is going t- to struggle, and that's exactly what happened in this one. Is that they wore down? I feel like late in the game, and and ended up giving up that lo- the giving up the final touchdown uh, in the fourth quarter, um, on a uh, an eleven play ninety five yard drive that just felt like it was just they had opportunity after opportunity to get. I mean, uh, they converted a fourth down, fourth and one near uh, in, in in TCU territory, and got it. It was just it was just. It just comes down to the fact that they just don't have the offensive consistency from the quarterback position. Now, I talked to some TCU fans who think that Max Duggan is the guy, and I hope he is, and I hope these are just growing pains, right? And it's entirely possible that it is. But right now, the bottom line is that they are not getting the kind of quarterback play they need to contend, plain and simple. And at Kansas State is the kind of game that you should win, mm-hmm. realistically, if you're TCU, and they just weren't able to do it. It was disappointing from, from the Frogs, in my opinion. Next up, Texas A&M. Well, they won. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was. I watched good portion of this game, and it was not a fun watch. 
Like it was a slog. Um, and part of it is that like it's just time to start talking about the A&M offensive line as a problem, right? They're okay in run blocking. Mm-hmm. Okay. But they can't protect Kelamon. No. no. Plain and simple. He was running for his life the whole time. Now, Kelamon, and again, I, I, I come off sometimes as a Kelamon apologist, and I don't mean to well, be. That's only because the narrative of Kelamon is that he's not good, which is there not was, right. true. And, and, he's and, fine. And there were some times, by the way, yeah. there were some times he made some bad throws in this game. Mm-hmm. He made some bad throws. I'm not here to defend Kelamon. He made some bad throws in this game. Sure. But he is running for his life back there. Mm-hmm. The defense, though, stepped up big. The defense, especially in the secondary, made sure that a bad passing team wasn't able to pass the ball. And they came up with big splash plays. We talked about Buddy Johnson in the open. Buddy Johnson was spectacular in this game. That whole defense played, I think, yeah, that was their best game. At least against a quality opponent. I mean, they were, they, you know, I'm sure they, they I watched five seconds of their game against Lamar. I'm sure mm-hmm. they were great against Lamar, but, you know, that's an FBS against an, uh, uh, an FCS team. Yeah. This was their most complete defensive performance, and that is very encouraging. Uh, now... Look, they go into uh, they go they come home to play Mississippi State at eleven a.m. This is you know another game that you are better than them. You are you are at home. This is a game you should win. This is probably a little bit more difficult than I would say the game they just played. I think Mississippi State's a little bit better than Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit though. Not not so much that you shouldn't win this game. Yeah, right? and they're also at home. So they're also at home. This should be a game out. that you win. Plain and simple. And and really, you know, they're four and three. They should be six and three after these next two because they play UTSA after that. Then, you know, we'll talk. But at that point, so far, wins are wins, and that, that was an important win to go on the road. It wasn't always pretty, but style points don't matter. All that matters is it goes in the right column. UTEP, shouts to Ishmael Johnson for saving me on free money. Oh, uh, I was so <laughs> mad about that. But you're exactly right. You know, the one thing you uh. can say about UTEP is they don't get blown out. Yeah, they don't get blown out. Um, they actually, for the most part, held down this FIU team hmm? offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, Defense they, was okay. They, they, I mean, they basically they gave up one large, one long touchdown run, mm-hmm. and they gave up uh, they gave up a couple of long passes. But besides that, they more or less kept them in front. They were winning this game at one point. Yep, that they, is true. They did not end up winning the game. They <laughs> lost thirty-two seventeen. Um, there just continues to be. It's it is. It's like TCU, if you took if you made their running game worse, mm. like they just don't have Nothing. any sort of running game. They kept handing the ball to Trayvon Hughes, twenty yard, twenty carries for forty eight yards. I mean, they cannot get a push up front, and the off- and and the bottom line is that the that the secondary and the defense does not have to respect the pass, and they can load the box and they can just just demolish them. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, I mean, now FIU is not the worst team on their schedule. They're going to have other opportunities to win, but it's probably not coming this week against Louisiana Tech. It's probably not coming at North Texas. Yeah. Um, I mean, they it, it'll have to be those final two against New Mexico State and Rice. Um, you know, Charlotte's not great either, but it's 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 it was a disappointing loss. But you know, they are what they are at this point. This is a a, a bad UTEP team that's playing out the string. Next up, Texas. Well, they won. Yeah. Another game that was uh, this one was ridiculous. That was ugly as sin. <laughs> And uh, Cameron Dicker bails them out. Mm-hmm. It is time, much like we were saying, that it's time to have a conversation about the AM offensive line. It's time to have a conversation about the uh, Texas defense. Mm-hmm. And Not most good. notably, most notably, the secondary. Okay? Oh, no, they're bad. Okay? Yeah, Carter you, Stanley. You Carter Stanley is not a good quarterback, guys. He is not a good quarterback. And he carved them up. Carved them up. And Puka Williams ran for 190 yards. Yeah, they had to they had to kick a field goal to win the game. At the end of the game, well, no, they had, they had to drive down the field. They had to drive down the field. Yeah, and and kick a field goal. And then, can someone the explain to me why in the world they ran the play with eight seconds left and no timeouts to get so like unnes- four extra that, yards? That was kind of funny, just how unnecessary it was. I was <laughs> like, like I was it worked, stunned. but like, can you imagine if he got tackled? No, it was the at the point where you think. You know what? It was gutsy. If this doesn't work, then maybe they'll <laughs> finally learn their lesson with something like right. this. Well, and I guess I mean, now I don't know. I mean, the the the, the game winning field goal ended up being how long? Like twenty um, seven. How long was it? They said it was a uh, thirty three yard field. Oh, okay. Right, that was off. I I don't. You know, 
I guess you want to get as close as possible. I thought that was an unnecessary but risk. So not worth it. I thought it was yeah. an unnecessary risk. Now, I will say a I lot mean, of things can go wrong there. Um, a lot of things I grab from this game though is that Brent Brent Deerman might be a really good offensive coordinator. Yeah, because mm-hmm. uh, Les Miles made that move last week, I believe, firing uh, 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 I forgot Kane get forgot his full name, but um, or Ketting, I think I yeah. can't remember exactly his name. Um, fired their old offensive coordinator, promoting Brett Deerman, who was a NAIA head coach, um, who was an analyst, and I think. Um, I was listening on uh, podcasting play nobody mm-hmm. and Richard Johnson kind of alludes that he more or less wrote the book on the RPO. Yeah. And so like this wasn't, I don't think this was that big of a coincidence coincidence that Kansas looked like a competent offense. And obviously to the extent that they, that they did is probably more to the fault of Texas defense, but they looked really good. That two point conversion play was a really good drop. Like Kansas looked like a really mm-hmm. well coached and really sk- well. And they, team. He, yeah, he was arguing with Les Miles on that one too. Man. Yeah, he was sure, like, I like, ha- I have hey, the play. Like, yeah, exactly. I have the play call for you this. saw, Please, and they had, go for two. they had to take the timeout just yeah. to get that too. Yeah. Now, we've spent this entire segment talking about how bad Texas was. Mm-hmm. And let's be real. Let's be honest about this. Offense looked pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Sam Ellinger. Sam Ellinger. Put on his big boy britches for a couple of those throws mm-hmm. late. Offense was still on fine. what was the go-ahead touchdown drive, and then what ended up being the game-winning field goal drive. He Wait. made some big throws yeah. and dropped some dimes. Which I'm going to say again because he never gets credit when they're good. Tim Beck. Tim Beck. Tim Beck is a good offensive Tim coordinator. Beck is a good offensive Everyone coordinator loves to rail against this guy when the offense doesn't do anything, or like last week when the offensive line doesn't hold up, and all of a sudden it's his fault. Tim Beck is a good offensive coordinator. Now. I, w- I want to see people start getting him credit because people want love to give Tom Herman credit for his system, but it's like he's not the play caller. Tim Look, Beck is the play caller. He's the one that's been – I mean, the offense has not been the problem this year if you're at te- all. If you're Texas, you hope that's a wake-up call. You yeah. go to TCU. You should be favored in that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you play Kansas State. I mean, the, you get these next three – or these next two, rather, at, TC, at TCU and then Kansas State before a, before a finishing stretch of at Iowa State, at Baylor, and then home for Texas Tech – these these got to have these two, and if you play mm-hmm. like you did against uh, on Saturday, you're gonna get beat. But wins are wins, playing simple. Like, it goes yeah. in the right column. Rice, I'm done with them. <laughs> Tepper was very sad. I was very sad. I was I I I I wanted to believe, I wanted to believe, but in the end, the there there's just not enough offensive consistency, mm-hmm. and. And the def- the defense is what disappointed me yeah. because this is not a good UTSA offense like at all. Nope. And they were giving up passing touchdowns, passing touchdowns to Lol Narcisse. <laughs> <That, laughs> the Slack chat. That's just like I can't like I it, I can't defend it anymore. And you you put it best. Mm-hmm. You said that at some point they are what they are, and you can't qualify them as. A good 0-7 team. They're just an 0-7 team. They're just 0-7. They're just 0-7 they team. They have one. They have, realistically, you look at that schedule, and it's like, they, you know, UTEP's it. Yeah. UTEP's our game. Like, as much as they do look like an improved team, we got to stop, you know. But at some point, yeah, at some point, results. it has to be, it's a results-oriented business. Yeah. We hold everyone else to that same standard. We have to hold them to that standard, too. Yeah. 0-7, disappointing. SMU. Speaking of the other side of the coin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not um, as disappointing. <laughs> I mean, the... I don't know what it is about Shane Bouchel that like, or what it is about SMU that has Shane Bouchel feeling a lot better. Um, but he was excellent in this game. Oh yeah, Reggie Roberson Jr. was excellent in this game, and more importantly, and I mentioned it, I thought that all the questions about SMU in this game were mental. All mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think they're better than T- Temple. They should be a team that they're at home. Everything lines up for them to go out there and win. It's all between the ears, and they came out there. And, and and jumped out on a big lead and said, nope, not today. It's not going to be us. There'll be a team that gets upset. It ended up being Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to be us. And that was very impressive. That's the most impressive thing is the, the, the mental fortitude they showed in this game against a team that they are better than. Got to keep it up on the road at Houston with a team that would love to, to save their season, basically. But overall, this was an excellent game. The defense was very good. Very good, holding down Ramon Davis, their their uh, their running back, in a big big way. Very impressive stuff. Go to these games, SMU fans. <laughs> Go. Eh, I mean, eh. I don't blame any. I don't blame anybody for not. If if you're a, a metropolitan school, other things to do. I don't know. North Texas. <laughs> well, I was right. 
Yeah. I'm done. I'm done <sighs> picking them to cover the spread. Uh, look, and again, the whole if you can if you can uh, uh, if you are uh, noticing a trend in our analysis here, style points don't matter, Mm-mm. and all that matters is you get a win. But something is pretty clearly broken. Um, yeah. The defense got carved up, and like Mason Fine again looked uncomfortable all game. Um, now Lauren Easley had a nice game and, and that was, and, and missing Trey Siggers, they needed somebody to step up in the running game. And Lauren Easley was a nice, uh, a nice asset to them. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick Smith was back too. Nick Smith was back. The running game all around looked, looked better. Good. It yeah. Looked good. But the bottom line is that the defense did not play well and they needed a late field goal, uh, a walk-off field goal to, to beat middle Tennessee state. Who's not very good. Now, wins are wins. And at this point, if you're North Texas, the name of the game is three more wins. Find three mm-hmm. more wins, just get to a bowl. Okay? That's the name of the game. A lot of the other things are out the window. But go out there, get three more wins. There should be three more wins on the schedule. Um, it, it's, it's just, I can't quite put my finger on it, but essentially their cornerbacks are a problem and their offensive line's a problem. And those are two places. Everything else is pretty good. As far as by Conference USA standards, everything else is pretty good. But those two things, the corners and the offensive line, are just cutting the legs out from any sort of momentum they can get. Did you see? Did you did you get to see the ending of that game? Like other than the field goal? It oh was, no no no! I, oh, it was nuts. They had a we North Texas recovered a fumble, and then on the like two plays later, they got an interception. So they take it all the way back down, score, grab the two point conversion. Then they had 28 seconds to get down in a field goal range and ended up making it happen and they were on like the yeah they had like a 98 yard or something like yeah. that to get back the the uh, punt return was huge but it was nuts between that and the texas game my heart was i was done with football by the end of Fa- the day fatally flawed fatally flawed They're just mm. what they are they're fatally flawed yeah uh utsa lowell narcisse threw two touchdown passes they threw two touchdown passes that is amazing um i think sincere mccormick's a star oh yeah in the making easily and I'm really excited to see him grow. I mean, me and Shahan kind of hinted at it on the Republic of Football recap episode. But, I mean, honestly, keep an eye out for next year's uh, All-Texas team. Yeah. Because there's not many running backs that are having a better season than Sincere McCormick. Sincere right McCormick's now. been great. Um, and I don't think it's overstating it to say this probably saved Frank Wilson's job. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, <laughs> they have to being. continue to save his save, job. Right. <laughs> but this was a good step in the right direction. Yeah. It wasn't always pretty, but they came up with big plays when it mattered, and that's what matters. UTSA is three and four. Yes? Yeah, I was going to say, uh, just a reminder, too. No one has commented yet trying to figure out the order. We only have, like, a couple left. So if you think you figure out the order, comment on Facebook. Next up is Houston. And we sat here on this show, and we told you. We looked directly in the camera and said, don't watch this game. Don't watch this game. I stand by that. Don't watch that game. <laughs> Logan Holgerson started this game. Yeah. The offense was gross, but the and the the def, and the defense wasn't all that great. But it bailed them out when it counted. They came up with the like key plays at the key moments, um, most specifically, you know, the a, a key interception. This was not a good game for Houston, but they're at the point right now where we just kind of know what they are, which is a team that is playing without a lot of their key pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and wins are hard to come by. And it's a road win over a bad team. You just take it and you run. Now, get your head right for, um, you know, we'll see if Clayton Toon, uh, Dana Holgson seemed to indicate that he was practicing this week. So we'll see if Clayton Toon can start. If that, if that happens, then they'll have a little bit more uh, of, a, of a spark. But in the end, bleh, I watched a little bit of this, contrary to my own advice. Oh, it was not, it was not mm-hmm. pretty. Texas Tech. <laughs> That was ugly. That was ugly. It was just like it. it what it was, it was. It was kind of a reversion to what we like. What we unfortunately thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens when they're not able to run the ball. So Roderick Thomas Thompson got got bottled up. They weren't able to run this ball. They asked Jet Duffy to do a lot, and they weren't able to push the ball down the field at all. That's just like, there was no downfield presence uh, on on this offense, and, and as a result, um, you know, they let. Iowa State's defense dictate the pace of this game. Sure, and that's that. That's what ended up being the uh, the, the problem. Um, and you know the defense, the bottom fell out of it. 
Brees Hall had a huge game running the game, running the ball. Brock Purdy was looked like a Heisman candidate in this game. Um, just not good. And 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 the the thought of oh hey maybe they are better at home, maybe not. Mm. Baylor. Um, we we mentioned it off the top. I won't go too far into it, but that was a really impressive win. Um, at times they were not like we we talked about how the biggest game the biggest name in this game was going to be whether or not they could bottle up Chuba Hubbard and Chuba Hubbard got his. What they were able to do is pretty much bottle up everyone else. Um, they 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 pressured Spencer Sanders. They uh they they sacked him. They they were in the backfield a lot in this game. Um, and then they were able to run the ball, which was really nice. Jamichael Hasey had a great game. Jamichael Hasey, the offensive line, had a great game. Uh, that was very, very impressive. Charlie Brewer was, they didn't ask him to do a ton, and he did fine when he was asked to do what he was asked to do. Mm-hmm. On to the next one. Uh, Baylor now gets, who do they get? I think they get by, or no, they um, they have kind of the pseudo by, right? Yeah, they play on the 31st. They play 10 days, and they, uh, they go, uh, they host West Virginia. Now comes the rough part of that schedule. Yeah. But then mm-hmm. it's like, you know, the, we always knew the back end of that schedule was going to be tough. Now, West Virginia at home, you should win that game. Mm-hmm. At TCU, Oklahoma, and Texas. You know, we'll find out. But overall, 7-0, 7-0. And finally, Texas State. how they do this week? They did not lose the bye. And no one got hurt as far as I can tell. Darn right. So that's your campus crawl. Did anybody get the order? Um, no, the only two comments were, let's see, it's this order makes no sense and this order is non-alphabetical, which technically Matthew McStadden was correct. It was not alphabetical. Uh, time of possession. Oh, oh, come yeah, on. You go from alphabetical to that. that you're just <laughs> toying with people now. Now we go to Ashley Pickle for America's second favorite segment, Final Thoughts. Um, one guy, let's see, who, it was Robert Cruz, by the way. He said hello from Mexico. So that was our far watcher from the day. He said, uh, Del Rio, Texas alum of DRHS class of 1996, and he was in the 1995 magazine. Hey, now. I thought that, that was, was pretty cool. I had some guy tweet me today or yeah, over the weekend saying that he finished his dad's collection of Dave Campbell's, that he found, like, whatever he was ah. missing. And so he tweeted, it's like, all of them, like, that's, that's sweet. Rad. Anyway, go Rams. Um, and then we'll answer one question here about the rankings. Phil Vaney, what does Shadow Creek need to do to be ranked number one? Uh, it's tough, right? Now, there will come a point, because we debated this a lot, um, that it's it's based on like your resume. And right now, Lone Star does have that, like they've got the hammer, right? They mm-hmm. went to Highlander Stadium and beat Highland Park. That is the most impressive win. Now, if Shadow Creek keeps killing fools and they go and they they beat foster this week like a drum like that would be a game that certainly piques my interest and that would be that by the way would mean that they have played all those contenders in that district and they Mm. have beaten them soundly they do that we're going to really start considering them because i'll tell you it is really neck and neck right now the biggest thing for me is that i think that i think that that the Lone Star win over Highland Park just still is that great is that great advantage that they have. Mm-hmm. That's the single most thing. Yeah, I mean, the, the good news is that hopefully, knock on wood, maybe uh, we'll get those two to play each other. Yeah, the question the the question really isn't you know what does uh, Shadow Creek have to do to jump to number one, but it's what does Lone Star have to do to drop down. That's another like, part of it. You know, yeah, like they haven't done anything to relinquish that spot. Yeah, yet. yeah, they got pushed by an undefeated Colony team uh, this week, but in the end, they they ended up winning, and that was on the road too. It was impressive. That's going to do it for us. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us at Instagram. Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's. And, of course, CSTexasFootball.com. Thanks again to Rodney Vincent of Cedar Park Fisher Ridge for being our guest. For Ashley Pickle and Ishmael Johnson, I'm Greg Tepper. Vince Young, please meet your Player of the Year trophy. See you tomorrow. Texas Football Today. Mm-hmm.